it is. My, my message this morning is entitled Anchored. And there's a reason for this, because we have been talking about the blessed life here in church. And I believe that if we have to receive God's blessings, and if we have to walk in God's blessings, then we need to be anchored to the one from whom all blessings flow. Do you know what even says in his word that he has not just given us his blessings. It says in one of the, the um, versions that he has lavished, lavished every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realm as a love gift to all of us because of his son Jesus. How awesome and how amazing is that? So to help us grasp this this morning, we're going to look at a little bit of aspects from King Solomon's life. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to look first at 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And it says this, As the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I am going where everyone on earth must someday go, but take courage, my son, be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, the commands, the regulations, and the laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all that you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep his promise he made to me. For he told me if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Then we're going to jump to 1 Kings 11, 1 to 6, which says, King Solomon, however loved many foreign wives beside Pharaoh's daughter. Right, give me a, go with me here. The Boamites, the Amorites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, and the Hittites. Whew. They're from nations about which the God had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held, held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives did lead him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of his David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the god of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Amorites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. Do you know, I think I might have mentioned this before, but growing up, my dad had a small sailing boat which he made himself. Now, to put this into perspective, this sailing boat could hold about nine men, three in the front, two in the middle, four at the back. If you removed the mast and the sails, however, it became a large rowboat. And as such, as a young teenager, I was permitted to take the rowboat out, okay, on certain, a certain lock that we used to go camping in. But my dad always put kind of boundaries in place, because he knew beyond a certain boundary on this lock, the current was really strong, it became incredibly deep, and even in the hottest of Scottish weather, this lock was icy cold, and if I was to capsize, I would be in serious trouble. So before any time I took the boat out, he would admonish me, that clump of trees there, Gillian, no further. That was my boundary marker. So one day I got in the boat, and I row, row, rowed my boat gently round the lock, I got to my boundary marker, pulled in my oars, and I just chilled. I was loving life. I was lying there on the boat. I was watching the clouds drift by. I was watching the birds. The lock surrounded by these beautiful mountains that I absolutely love. And 
I was just singing my wee heart out because there was nobody there to hear me. So I was belting out songs in this boat. Now, I will point out at this point, I wasn't yet a Christian. I was a young teenager. My inspiration came from the hills, from the sound of music, from Julie Andrews. Okay, you get the drift, right? So there I was on the boat doing my best Julie Andrews impersonation. The hills are alive, the sound of music, giving it big licks. And I don't know at what point I realized something wasn't quite right. It wasn't a sudden thing. It was kind of a gradual thing. The temperature had kind of dropped a little bit. The boat that was gently rocking was now a bit more kind of rocky. And I thought, what's going on? So I sat up. I brought my attention back to the moment. And I suddenly realized that I had gone way beyond my safety marker. You see, I had drifted. I had made a fatal error. I pulled in the oars, but I hadn't put down my anchor. And so while I was enjoying life and and just loving it, I had drifted. Not only had I drifted beyond my boundary markers, I had drifted beyond the safe reach of my dad on the shore. Do you know, that was a scary moment. That was a really scary moment. And King Solomon was no different here. At the start of his reign, we all know the story. You know, God comes to him and says, Solomon, what do you want? Ask me anything and I'll give it to you. So he says, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom that I can serve your people well and I can manage these people well to the best of my ability. And God was so impressed with Solomon, so honored by him that he said, you know what? Because you have asked for that and nothing else, I'm going to give you that and many, many more before. He lavished Solomon with such things that when the Queen of Sheba went to visit him, it says this, she was overwhelmed by what she saw. She was also amazed at the food of his tables, the organizations of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and his robes, the burnt offerings that Solomon made in the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I've heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what, I, what was said until I arrived here and saw it from my own eyes. In fact, I have not even heard half of your great wisdom. It is far beyond what even I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne as king to rule for him. Because God loves Israel and desires the kingdom to last forever, he has made you king over them all, so you can rule with justice and righteousness. She gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices, precious jewels. Never before had there been spices as fine as the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold, and this did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders. So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. Kings from every nation came to consult with him and hear about his wisdom. But he drifted. He had everything, everything his heart could desire. And not only did that blessing impact him, it impacted his family, it impacted his nation, it impacted the people that he ruled over because they all benefited from what God had lavished on him. But he drifted. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 2 and chapter 1, we must listen very carefully to the truth that we've heard or we may drift away. You see, anchor 
is one of the main things that a sailor needs when he goes out into the sea. And in this day and age, there are many kinds of anchors. You can get anchors that are for shallow water and soft beds. You can get anchors that are for deeper water and rocky soil. And some sailors, believe it or not, take two anchors out with them. And depending where they are, they switch their anchors. But an anchoring term, bigger, is always better. And there is one that is bigger than the rest. One that will hold you secure in the bobbing along, gladly loving life moments to ones that will hold you in the deepest and darkest of your storms. Solomon started with the biggest. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatest power and the glory and the victory and the majesty that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the kingdom of Lord, and you have exalted, and you are exalted high above all. It says he determines the number of stars. He gives all of them their names. For great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond all measure. It says, who can compare with the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who has to stoop down to look even on heaven and on earth. He lifts the poor from the dust, the needy from the garbage dumps, and he sets them amongst the princes. What is this immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the workings of his great might that he has worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places? Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, above every name that is ever named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. He had the biggest anchor, but he switched for nothing. Do you know, it says that he, he let his wives lead him astray. He started worshipping other gods that could do absolutely nothing for him. Couldn't even hold him in the shallowest, calmest of seas. He let go of the bigger. He let go of the best. And you know, can I tell you something this morning? If it can happen to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, then it can happen to each one of us. We take our eyes off the ball. We make one compromise, just one too many. And you know what? We've drifted from the biggest and we've settled for second best, third best, fourth best, nothing. Because all blessings come from him. Amen? The second part that every good sailor needs is your chain or your rope. Okay? Because it's no good going out with a banker, getting to where you want to anchor it and just go, got my anchor. Whoops. Oh no, I don't have my anchor. Do you know what I mean? You need to attach this anchor to something. Now I did do a bit of research in this to find out how long this anchor needed to be, but everywhere I looked can I said something different. But the general rule of thumb seems to be that your anchor length needs to be seven to ten times the depth of water you're anchoring in. Okay? Because if your chain is too short, it can capsize your boat, it can detach, it will break under the pressure. If it's too long, it causes your boat to drift into the path of a coming storm. Now, in my years as a Christian, I've heard many people say to me, I could never live your life. There are too many rules. God's too strict. Do you know, I, I want to live my life in freedom. I want freedom to do what I want. And then when I'm older, then I'll settle down. Okay, then I'll start to follow. Then I'll start to believe. 
But do you know something? David was a good father to Solomon. He set his safety boundaries. Come on, my son. I'm passing the reins over to you. Here's what God taught me. This has sustained me all my life. I'm setting your boundaries. If you put him first and honor him in everything you do, all will go well with you your entire life. Your children will inherit. Your grandchildren will inherit. It will keep going. He set his boundary markers. My dad was a good dad. He let me go out in that boat, but he set my safety markers. He kept his eye on me. And you know something? God is no different. It says in the Bible that God knew us before we were even born. He chose us. He made us. He formed us. And it actually says in his word that even if you've never picked up a Bible in your life, even if you've never read one of God's laws or one of God's commands, do you know what? He's written it in your heart because he is a good, good, good father. And he wants to make sure that we don't break under any strain. He wants to make sure that we don't drift into the paths of oncoming storms. He wants to make sure we're safe. So even if you've never given him the time of day, if you do something that's putting you in danger, that's putting you in harm's way, that heart will start to beat faster. That conscience will start to speak to you. That is the voice of my father saying to you, hold on, you're going into deep water here. Take a beat, take a step, come back to me, my child, come back to me. You, you, you know, there's nowhere we can go beyond father's reach, nowhere, but we can put ourselves in trouble. So it's a choice that we have to make. You have to choose chain, rope. You have to physically attach it to the one that you are choosing as your anchor. You have to secure it to your boat, to your life. And do you know what? God's already chosen you. That's the best bit. But now it's our turn to choose him. Joshua said, if you refuse to serve the Lord then you choose who you're going to choose because there's a choice to be made one way or the other we choose the biggest we choose the best or we choose second rate but it's our choice but Joshua said as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord I want to know that I'm with someone who can hold me secure no matter what happens in life. I want to hold my anchor and secure my anchor to the one who is faithful through the generations and the generations and the generations. The one who's never let go of me. The one who's never relaxed his hold on me. The one who is for me. The one who gave himself for me. The one who came to give me life and life more abundantly. He said it was for freedom that I came and set you free. That's what my Jesus did. It's not to bind me. It's not to chain me. It's not to anchor me down. As a good parent, I put up safety gates. As a good parent, I put harnesses on my children. For Jordan, he had a double harness because he was Houdini when it came to leaving his buggy. Do you know, I made sure my children were safe. God does the same for us. So you better believe I'm choosing him. You better believe I'm attaching myself to him. I choose this day to follow him. Amen. The final thing that we need to do when anchoring is that you need to set your anchor. Okay, we've got it chained, we've got it there, we throw it in, but then if we just assume that we're okay, it might not fully have attached. Okay, so if you are in kind of like shallow 
water. The way you would do this is that first of all, you put your anchor from the front of your boat, not the back, really important. Because if you put your anchor from the back of the boat, then your rope or your chain acts as a fulcrum and it kind of wheeks you around too fast and you're going to capsize. So you've got to put it from the front of your boat and then in shallow water, you've got to kind of give it a little tug. Okay, Make sure that it's secure. If you're in deeper water, the best way to do it is to put your boat in reverse and ease back. When you feel the tug, you know you're secure. The Bible uses a word that you may have heard. This word is repentance. It means stop going your way and start going his way. In other words, throw your boat in reverse. Make sure your anchor holds. Amen? Um, It says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Do you know the worst thing about the day I drifted, when I realized that I was in trouble? It wasn't that I was in trouble. It wasn't that I was in deep water. It wasn't, oh God, how do I get back? My first thought was, oh, my dad's going to be so disappointed. Oh, I've really let him down. I've gone beyond my boundaries. He'll never trust me again. He'll never let me take this boat out again. That was my first thought. But do you know something? I had to battle to get back to shore that day. Because every time I took three rows back, the wind and the current blew me two rows forward. And it went like that. It seemed like hours. I don't know how long it was, but it seemed like hours for me, that young teenager. I couldn't see my dad. I could only feel the wind. I could feel the currents. But you know, when I stepped out of that boat, my dad was there with arms open wide. And all he did was hold me and whisper in my ear, well done, well done. Now I know for some of us this morning, we are battling. God is speaking to our hearts and we know that we've drifted. We might never have chosen him before in our lives and there's a battle raging in our hearts. And those currents are pulling you and saying, don't listen, switch off your ears, you're okay. You don't need to listen to what she's saying. But do you know what? Father is waiting with arms bigger than my dad's. And he's waiting to welcome you home. He's welcome to say, well done. You made it. Do you know, that's how much he loved you this morning. He's waiting for you. Pressing, could you come up and join me? Do you know, when I was preparing for this message... I asked God, okay, God, I've kind of looked to this and I've looked to that, but what's the significance of putting your anchor from the front of the boat? Why not the back of the boat? And do you know what he said to me? He says, Gillian, let me tell you something. The minute you chose me, the minute you attached yourself to me, I dealt with your past. You don't need me there in your past because it's dealt with. It's dealt with. The curse of sin, the curse of death, everything that you are worried about in your past, I dealt with the minute you said, Jesus, I chose you. Jesus, I attach myself to you. You don't need to worry about what's going on behind because if you spend your life looking behind you, waiting on something catching up, you're going to capsize yourself. You're going to be that fulcrum. I've dealt with it. 
So I set myself from the front of your boat. I go before you. I go with you. I have put my hand of blessing upon you. Do you know what it says this? In Isaiah, I will always show you the way to go. I will give you a full life, even in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never, ever runs dry. That's why we set him in the front. That's why we put him before us. We lift our eyes to Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Do you know I was 15 years old when I chose him as my anchor? The 27th of September, don't do the maths, 1985, at 20 to 10 at night, because the person next to me asked me what time the bus left just before I gave my life to Jesus. See, there was a distraction. There was a battle. But I answered a question and I put my eyes back on Jesus. And I said, Jesus, today I'm choosing you. To Jesus, I choose you as my anchor. I attach myself to you, Jesus. Go before me. Go with me. And you know, now it's your turn. We all have a choice to make. Some of us may just have drifted a little. Some of us may have drifted a little further. But you know, Father's waiting. His arms are wide open. And he says, come to me. Come to me. Come on, battle it out. Come to me. I'm here. I've got my eye on you. I know you're safe. And I'm going to just, oh, I'm going to give you the biggest dad hug you've ever received. Just come home. Just come home. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you that you are a good, good father who loves us, who protects us, who wants the best for us, who wants to bless us, who wants to equip us, who wants to see us not only through every storm, but you'll also stop the storm in our path. Jesus, I just pray this morning that you will help everyone who hears my voice, whether in person or online, to come home. Father's waiting. God, help them to just battle through this last little storm to find their way to your safe, loving arms. In Jesus' name, amen.